Okay, guys, so today we're talking about monks, and uh, what we've seen uh, and will see a lot is monks pride themselves on learning their capabilities, uh, training, uh, centering their essence in order to be able to do these wondrous things. Um, and quite a lot of classes do things, either they get involved in brewing or calligraphy, and it's one of the very few classes I see really enforcing this uh, sense of um, a external trade or or Monotony. artistic uh, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Art, artistic expression in order to center yourself to be and monotonous of course in order to uh really build your abilities is there something you guys do on a like daily basis to center yourself podcast editing man fuck off <laughs> <laughs> really centering oh yeah, man, yeah it centers my but, rage but like Dan. like like a monk's calligraphy or the brewing or whatever it is like what is that one thing if you are having a stressed out day that you just know you need to just go do just to center so let's roll the dice and go i got a 10 six two okay two. you're up dan um uh, ask the question didn't have an answer uh the the thing i do um really really enjoy to much to adam's chagrin is i will build characters um for either pathfinder or DD or whatever system uh, floats my boat i i have done extensive starfinder um and and like mutants and mastermind character building as well um just because it's lots of fun for me um but if it really comes down to it hanging out with my kids man nothing nothing has um really brought that sense of centering than being able to just play with my kids and, and run around and pretend I'm a zombie unicorn chasing them around the house. So Good dad, Dan. Yeah, so <laughs> uh, that's me. Uh, Adam, what you got? I've got kind of two answers. Um, so did I, so go nuts. So uh, maps, D&D maps. Uh, if I can sit there and I can super focus on this massive battle map that I can draw it ahead of time, yeah. and I can put music on in the background, I can just lose myself in it, and I will work on, uh, you know... 10 inches by 10 inches from a giant battle map. And I can focus in on that for hours. And that just, I hit a zone with yeah. that. Uh, and the music will play and then it will go on repeat nine or 10 times. And I've never heard it, right? Because it's not in my conscious brain because it's just running in the background. But um, so that's my artistic answer. My nerd answer and the one that I that will actually drag me into it even deeper is I will look at spreadsheets. I'm sure that you are not at all Not at all surprised at, no. But when it comes down to figuring out, uh, like, I'm the guy that knows that there are 108 um, uh, background options yep. in D&D. It always surprises people that there's that many, but there are 108, not including the house agents from Eberron, because there are many different ones for those as well. But, like, I do that because I sit down and I type it all out, and then I look at them in order, and which one, which books has the most of this, and what can I, and I just, I'm all about the stats. I need the numbers and the stats, and numbers and math, math is a closed system, and it's happy. Everything in its place. And I, and I am a, I am a happy person. Okay. But it is, it's the music in the background for that too, but yeah. I will just drift. Yeah, in, it's in hilarious because we share a uh, drive for all the planning when it, that little peek behind the curtain here, we share a drive for all the planning for the uh, episodes, and we've got some of these things planned Literally years in the future, and you're like, yes, no, 
this is the way it has to be because we need to know. And I sit there and I gain anxiety because I'm like, I don't give a shit what's happening six months from now. How do you process this? And you're like, well, Dan, when we start talking about um, this obscure subclass from the UA over here in, say, 2027, we're going to have to. And I'm like, God, Adam, what? <laughs> I go down the rabbit hole. Yeah, yeah, you really do. <laughs> Megan? Um, what a bunch of nerds you guys are. Um, so tell us about the video games you play, Megan. Well, when you, when you said, what do you do when you're stressed out to kind of calm yourself? All I can think of my head is I was literally just saying this morning that the thing that I do when I'm stressed out is I get really quiet mm-hmm. and I just do really, really monotonous tasks. So Animal Crossing. I, well, no, I, honestly, I clean. I'm a ner- I'm a nervous wreck cleaner. Mm-hmm. I organize, I clean, I move things, and then I get yelled at because I've moved things. See, no, 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 I get that, but I do it digitally. I do it in Yeah, so it's the same. Mine is more physical. I have to clean out cupboards, and I, it was the other day, like, my, I came home, my partner basically said to me, I've reorganized the cupboard, and he looked at me like he was nervous because I was not going to approve of the reorganization that had occurred, mm-hmm. uh, which made me realize that that's the thing that I do to the point where my partner is concerned for me when I start organizing things i i I, my wife is the exact same way um to the point where i have moved the microwave once and it caused a week-long issue oh i I can imagine yes it would. so so like (laughs) it has come to the point where i've realized that this is this is uh, a divide between my wife and i uh that i do not want to put any stress towards so it's never hey i've moved this it's hey can i move this i'm thinking about doing this i'm thinking i'm thinking about doing this what are your thoughts or just simply, where does this go? Yeah. And sometimes it's the same place it's gone for three years, but I, I haven't registered that because I don't want to make that mistake. Yeah. See, the first time that Mieka was ever up here, she came up here for six weeks and she moved in with me for six weeks and then and then left. And I know that this intro is running really long, but um, I, I had come home from work and she had redone my pots and pans in my cupboard. Oh, and and I went. That's that's not how I like that. And she says, "I don't care. This is how it is now." That's how it's supposed to be. Yeah, and every time she comes back, it's back to my way. And this is a small point of contention. It's always like, <laughs> change them back. So, um, yeah, I'm that person. But my nerd answer is video games. Yeah. I will pick up a video game that I know only has eight hours worth of gameplay. I'll play it from beginning to end. Um, you can also lose yourself though in MMOs, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. The just building, leveling, all that kind of stuff. So. Yep. Just World of Warcraft and Fallout 76 are my life right now. So. Yeah. The Last of Us 2 and Final Fantasy Online are still my two currents. So. I played a Mario once. Congratulations. (laughs) You know what? Mario can get pretty in depth. I'm sorry. Uh, Mario? Well, how many Marios are there? I don't even. Oh, God. Did you want me to make a spreadsheet for you? (laughs) Yes, please. Oh, God. Yes, please. Okay. Welcome to the It's a Mimic podcast with your DMs, Adam, Dan, and Megan. Welcome to another episode of the It's a Mimic podcast, the roundtable Dungeons and Dragons discussion where you never know what you're going to get. I'm Dan, and with me today are Megan and Adam, and we're talking about a monks. So I'm sorry? Monks. M- uh, monks. Oh. Monks. Our second Jesus. time around with monks. Um, we are going to be... Like with all of the other second pass through that we've been doing, um, hitting the Xanathar's Guide to Everything options for the Monk class, um, as well as breaking down a couple of the uh, subclasses there as well. Um, But as with other episodes in the second round, we're going to go through these uh, different options that Xanathar gives for the 
um, story side of your character and helping develop your backstory and uh, the tone and feeling of your monk. Um, specifically, the monasteries, monastic icons, and uh, your master or who trained you in uh, as a monk. So before we get going, guys, uh, how are we feeling with monks in general going up to this? As a forever DM, I hate them. I don't, I don't know why that would be. <laughs> uh, honestly, I, no. I like monks. Thematically and mechanically, they're a lot of fun. Stunning Strike needs a save every round. That is my only complaint about monks. Right? Is it? Yes. That, okay. uh, that is legit. The one thing that when a monk shows up at my table, I go, all right, well, minimum of three villains or, or enemies every single combat encounter. And I need something that's going to be able to just have really high wisdom saves all of the time. Hmm. Mm. Just to beat the stunning strikes. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's, it is so, so crippling as a DM. Because now I have to keep all of my bad guys floating in midair, 600 feet up with a megaphone in order to taunt you guys. Because if I put him within and, and, 190 and... feet, the monk will just get to him next turn, stun <laughs> him, and allow the barbarian and the wizard to catch up. Right? That's also like within 40 feet of a... Uh... Sorry, it's a con save. It's not a wisdom, yeah. but... And you're and you're putting them beyond 40 feet from a vertical edge as well, because the monk will just run up there and jump off the oh, edge. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, I mean like straight up above the town square, right? Yeah. Like monks are just they've got this one broken mechanic and it's just the fact that there's no save every single like it only lasts one turn but the monk can just keep doing it and doing it and doing it until they run out of key though when does that happen after level four it does not happen because all of their shit recharges on a short rest um i i i don't know man like i i i get what you're saying but I've always had key issues as a monk, even though they get a new key every level. Your level equals your key pool. There's just but, so many different things you can do with your key. Yeah. That if you aren't strategic about it, you it's basically like a paladin smite. You will eventually run out of them yeah. or use them not in an intelligent way. And if you have a monk that isn't running out of key, um, either they're a really, really good player, um, but more than likely is they're using abilities that are supposed to be using their key pool and aren't ticking off that key. Yeah. Or playing their character like not a monk. Right? Because like if you want to do your Step of the Wind or whatever it's called and you want to do your Stunning Strike or you want to flurry of blows. That's key. You have to use key. Yeah. So it, it's... I, I get what you're saying. Stunning Strike is fucking nutty. But... There's no instance where a player will not have Stunning Strike... They will hold key back so that they can use stunning strike. Yeah. Right? If the if you know that you're going into the villain's lair, you just deal with the shit for the minions and wait till that final thing so so you can just burn through it. There's almost no strategy to it. You have one card that you can play and you just wait to drop it mm-hmm. for the at the opportune time. I cannot just hit you with the random encounter of an owl bear because that owl bear is dead. I cannot just hit you with three town guards because that one's stunned and then decapitated. That one's stunned and then decapitated. That one's stunned and then gutted, probably. Right? And and that's that's how monks work. And I just, I just, I fucking, just fucking, oh. As a fuck. never DM, I cannot sympathize. <laughs> <laughs> Nor would you if you could. <laughs> All right. So uh, I, I personally, I love monks. Um, I love their, I love their, Flavor, I love the uh, tone of them. Um, 
I think they're one of the best designed classes in the game as it stands right now, just in terms of balance. I, I, I do really, really, really enjoy them as a player and as a DM. <laughs> Wait until you see the long death then. Oh, I guess that's true. But anyways, what we're going to do real quick is we're going to go over the monasteries, monastic icons, and masters of the monk. This is the option in Xanathar's. Um, that will help build some flavor. And it's, sorry, the, oh, these are the random tables. These are the random tables yeah, that are there. We yeah, roll on. yeah. So as we, uh, what we'll do is we'll start off with the monasteries, and the monastery is where your monk has learned um, his entire life as an ascetic. Is is where he learns his. Uh, craft. It's where he grew up. It's where he has learned everything. It is his home for education and life, and kind of his 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 base of the character. Sorry, uh, is this where they learn how to be a monk? Yes. Okay. Yeah. No. If, if I if I if the re- repetition didn't uh, get it through by then, I feel it. Yeah. Um. So Jesus Christ, you're like a shark circling your prey with some of this. <laughs> <laughs> so the the. The idea of the monastery is uh, a brilliant one. It's something that I think is often overlooked without having this kind of thing um, because it could inject a lot of different flavor to your uh, monk character uh, based off just how the monastery looks and where it's located. So, Sorry. Hello, Megan. It's good to have you back. (laughs) So... (laughs) So Megan will be doing the way of the drunken master. (laughs) No one is surprised. So uh, the options we have here in this this, uh, chapter are um, that your monastery is carved out of a mountainside or it's high in the branches of an immense tree in the Feywild or built beside a volcanic system of hot springs, geysers, and uh, sulfuric pools. or it was founded by gnomes and is in an underground labyrinth of tunnels and rooms. That's where Dan came from, right? <laughs> yeah. I just I want to go to the gnome monastery. We gnome. That just that sounds so much fun. Yeah. Um, so guys, do you like the idea of a monastery? Uh, do do you have an idea for like a unique one that you would uh, help encourage your monk player? Um, or as a player yourself that you would want to put in your character sheet. So let's grab the dice, let's roll, and we're going to keep this order through as we go through the other two. Sure. Well. Oh. Got six. This dice roll seals my face. Got a ten. Nine. All right, so first of all, um, this is weak, by the way. Yeah. Really? Because all it is is locations. Yes. None of it is flavor for the actual monastery itself. And I know that, that the monastery is going to be dependent upon your subclass, right? So... For example, a sun soul will be different than a open hand, right? Yeah. But there is very little that is, you know, this is an this is ancient it or it's a new monastery or this one is all about vertical training. I mean, it says sure you're up in the in the Feywild, but what what does it mean to be a monk in the Feywild, right? Like there, I just want there to be more to these entries. I think the thing, key thing to remember about like this. The key even, thing. I get it. You get it. Right? Yeah. Right. Um, is that these are basically just jump off suggestions. Like it kind of like when you're rolling for your character and it's just an yeah. idea or just but my, to start with. My problem is that new players are going to see this and say, that's as far as I can go. That's yes. And I agree with that. Fair a enough, lot. Yeah. Yeah. If you are a new player and you are playing a monk and you rolled for this, you would go black and white. This is where I am from. Well, so, that, that, so, that's when you as a DM step in and, and say, hey, 
you can go deeper. use this as a jumping point. But but here's here's my thing. I like actually all three of the different entries they have at the beginning of Xanathar's, all three of the random tables. Yep. They're great. I wish the monastery had three versions, like three tables unto itself. Like size of the monastery. How many people? How many other monks are there? How many masters? How many trainees? Are you with the lone monk on the top of the mountain? Or are you one of a class of 300? Yeah. Right? And yeah. that will change who you are. Are you Goku or are you Naruto? Like, which one are you? <laughs> Those words. Anime. <laughs> okay. So, I, I'm with you, Megan. Thank Don't you. Worry. Yeah. So, uh, anyways. Um, yes, I do have uh, my idea of where I would like to see a monastery. And that is on the back of the Tarrasque. Huh. Okay. I mean, it's big enough. And is it? And if you, the 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 stock Tarrasque isn't that actually like it's well, not see, not but, the walking mountain anymore. No, but this is the one on one with the with the master. Is do not let the Tarrasque know that you're here. You have to move faster than it to get up and down off of it, right? And, and if you get knocked off, you have to find your own way back up. So I just think that, and if that's too intense, you can go with the Zaratan, which is the big. Um, Earth Elemental Turtle. Oh, yeah. In yeah. Uh, Mordenkainen's, right? Which is essentially the same thing. It's a gargantuan thing, but it's going to move a little bit slower. And maybe that's the, how you get the four elements, um, way of the four elements, right? So I like the idea of you being on a moving, floating, maybe something. Your monastery's not locked in caverns or at the beside a volcano. It floats, it moves, it changes. And I like it being tied to a, to a creature. Okay. Hmm. So, um, I keep that, thinking, that helps with when you, when we start talking about icons as well, that's really going to help build into that influence as well. Well, I keep thinking about, uh, Baba Yaga, right? <laughs> Chicken house? Chicken house. Yeah. Right. So she's the, she's the witch or hag in D and D who has, uh, she lives in a cottage that has giant chicken legs that runs around and that there it is. That's yeah. That's, if you've seen the latest Hellboy movie, it's in that as well. Yeah, actually you're right. Yeah. It is. So, <laughs> But I like the idea of her having a coven in this, and it's slightly bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. It's kind of weird. Why would you not have a monk temple that does that too? Why would you not have some sort of monastery that is, that is going to be? It, it's it's a it's a small it's a small temple. It's a hut with gigantic wings that just flaps around. Because why not? We're in a fantasy world and we never think about fantasy stuff. You can do whatever stuff. you want. Exactly. And so that's that's kind of where I'm coming from on this. I want to add the almost animalistic aspect to the monastery itself to give it some real flavor. Mm, I like okay. that. Megan, what about you? Um, so I I mentioned that I was playing The Last of Us 2 and as I was watching it, I kind of and read all of this stuff, it kind of blended in together for me and it came quite nicely. Should we be putting spoiler warnings for the video game? No, it's okay. I'm not okay. going to go spoilers. So, but at the very end of the game, you know. at the very end, this guy, yeah. So, um, <laughs> so the concept of the game obviously is that it's the end of the world. It's post-apocalyptic. Yeah. Blah 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 blah. But in the second one, they start forming religions. As you do, really? Yes, because oh, the cool. world has started anew. So a lot of groups are breaking off and starting their own religions already. Only like five or six years after the post-apocalyptic thing had occurred. Um, and so some of it, like the game follows certain like religious paths, right? So I was thinking in my head, like you mentioned it already. Why is it, it can be new. It can be a new religion. It can be a new belief system. It can be something that's brand spanking new. Yeah. So why not have like a nudist colony? There you go. Nudes. Nudes. That's the answer. <laughs> oh man. 
you know you're getting close to the monastery because there's just whipping noises coming from around. And you're not sure if it's a whip or some dude just running really fast. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> oh, my Lanta. Uh, for for me, I love the idea of monasteries. If you couldn't tell us, my shark circling my prey, uh, rambling earlier. Um, I, 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 I think they have tons of flavor. I disagree that they're kind of bland. Um, I would love to see uh, more European influence than the Eastern uh, influence on this uh, and have like roadside temples with like beekeeper yards and old fat guys in wool robes. They really do right. lean into the the Tibetan monk yeah. as, as closely as they can in many ways. Yeah. Like, um, this should be called a martial artist class, not a monk class. Yeah, I agree. I, I, agree. I agree with that. Uh, the only problem is the second you have a martial artist, it starts becoming a bit too martial. And then you you have fighters who aren't going to be as good as a unarmed fighter as a monk will be. Or as a martial artist will no, be. No, I'm just saying that you can change the name monk to martial artist and it fits equally as well, if not better. All right. Well, um, well yeah, because if you think about martial arts as opposed to just like a, a martial fighter... The arts dictates the education, the time, all yeah. that kind of stuff. It's less of the brutality, more of the knowledge behind what you're doing. A monk, right? a monk is, is more like a cleric when you talk about the traditional Western monk, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so I'm just like, there are Tibetan monks, and then there are um, nunneries. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, Convent. That's that's. Like I changed my answer. That that's my answer. I want a nunnery as a monastery. That that's actually not that. Just, that doesn't sound uncommon. <laughs> I feel like there would be nuns in these some of these monasteries. I would think. And and they're all uh, Aarakocras. And and they're all penguin Aarakocras. All right, this is getting crazy. Getting crazy. <laughs> I, I like that last little bit. Anyways, yeah. so speaking about penguins, we're gonna move on to uh, monastic icons that you could have. Giant penguin. Which giant penguin? <laughs> giant penguin. Um, <laughs> all I have is Blues Brothers uh, quotes running through my brain right now. And that's not a good thing when it comes to this. Uh, so a monastic icon is another uh, animalistic or bestial uh, symbol that you kind of build your uh, lifestyle off of. Um, again, they give you a breakdown of what is important and how that beast influences your character. Uh, options they have here are like a monkey, which uh, quick reflexes and ability to travel through the treetops are the two reasons why your order admires the monkey. Or... Uh, the Kirin, which is a uh, weird horse. No, it, it's it's the unicorn deer. It's it's the unicorn deer, yeah. Weird um, horse fits, yeah. Weird horse fits. <laughs> uh, where your main purpose uh, of your monastery is watching over and protecting the land um, in the manner of the Kirin. Um, or... Uh, now, hold on. Is this just an emblem, like the heraldry, or is this actually your fighting style? Like, like style of the monkey, style of the tiger. Like, I'm thinking Kung Fu Panda. Is that what this is? I, 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 you gave me an either or, and my answer would be, of course, yes. I think you would style your monk character off of this. I don't think this is going to have any sort of mechanical, uh, effect on your character. But uh, in terms of flavor, in terms of describing how your character's stance is in a fight, would all be influenced by this, yeah, right? Yeah, because I feel like depending on what you choose, like if you're going to be like the squirrel monastery, yeah. you would be probably like a quick on your feet. Little nutty. Little nutty. All that kind of stuff. 
Whereas, like, if you chose to be, like, a bear, you would probably be more like, the brute force monk. Like, You're more yeah. likely to, to stop and pause. Yeah. There you Stop it. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> Great. We've given Adam an uh, avenue for puns. Great. Uh, so, you know what? Let's roll dice about it, and we'll talk about whether or not we... I thought we were keeping the same order. Okay, let's keep the same order. Adam, what do you got? Hi, <laughs> Dan. How are you today? <laughs> Iron <laughs> Wild. <laughs> So, uh, I love this. I think that the most brilliant thing about it is that they, of the six options, they give you five weird magical um, creatures out of the monster manual. And also a dragon turtle. What would be one of them out of the... No, no, the monkey's the fifth. Monkeys are magical creatures. Continue. Stop it. <laughs> they're, they're really not. They are, they're just dirty, dirty masturbators. I have been to the zoo. And let me tell you, I've seen two things. Shit and just, just giving it, just going full Terry. Is that what? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you haven't been in all of the Dan Furniture episodes, Megan. You don't know about. No, I heard about Dan's furniture, though. Yeah. Anyway, so the. On sale now at (laughs) (laughs) itsamimic.com. There are two people right now running to their <laughs> One of them is Terry. Yeah. The other one is Terry's other account. <laughs> so um, I think that what I want to do is I want to hand the Monster Manual and Volos and Mordenkainen's directly to a player and say, find the, the monster that is the most interesting to you. And it doesn't matter what level it is. It could be a, a Modron, right? The, the Monodrone. All the way up to a red dragon. It could be absolutely anything because it's going to be their own specific style that they're going to live their life based on. Dang, you twitched when I said. Oh, I'm 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 just Mordron. thinking like, what does the way of the gelatinous cube do? <gasps> oh, it's very fluid. That would be a drunken master one. Yes. I think absolutely. Yeah. I'm ready to shit down. Cool. <laughs> so, so and the black pudding is the same thing with stealth. Llamas just spit. So. <laughs> <laughs> But also black dragons. <laughs> but no, that that would be that's that's the thing that I want to do is I want to say, hey, you know what? Here, have access to all of these monsters. Find something that's really, really out there. Yeah, something that's crazy, and then we can work whatever that thing is into your background, into cool. your into your backstory. Yeah. Megan? Um, I would say because when I was reading through these, the one thing I really wanted to do is change the order that they were written in the book. Because I feel like I want to choose my icon before anything else. Yeah. It's almost like being a cleric or a paladin. You kind of choose who your your god or your goddess is because that's going to influence the rest of your backstory and where you're from, what happened to you, how many people, all that stuff, right? So I almost feel like you want to choose that icon first. So whether you take the book, pick a creature, do what you want to do, that's where I feel like your flavor is going to start. Yeah, if you're going to pick Fairy Dragon... Then yeah. you're gonna go to the Feywild, right? Or exactly. you're gonna find a draconic continent. Or and you're gonna... then your master is gonna be the fairy or whatever, right? Yeah, it, so... it's gonna be a satyr or a. Pixie. Yeah, well, <laughs> fuck, why not, right? Yeah. Like, like really. really I want to play a Goliath up. monk of a uh, of the Fey and and have his master be like a pixie. Opposites and going the extremist way. So. Size matters not, my friend. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I, I I agree with you. In in insofar as I would want to have my player look through the monster manual and volos and all these things and find these really weird um all these weird things that you uh the player that can then select as their uh icon, I would ask them as a DM to choose more than one 
um, that have different aspects that your monastic tradition wants to focus on. So uh, that your player can kind of switch styles almost and have that narrative beat where it's like, oh, wait, I need to be more offensive here with my abilities. Then I'm going to switch to the style. No, no, um, you're pretty offensive as it is, Dan. Um, thanks, Adam. So I, I would love to do that just just to give a little bit more flavor with the monk um, there. I also see this icon selection being just as much a gift to the player as it is to the DM. Um, I like the idea of having multiple styles, but would, is this is this not something that you would gift them as they go? You give them an NPC that can train them for a little while, that will travel with the party for a little while and get them trained up, and then every time that they hit a new tier, they get a new style, and this gives them something to do in downtime instead of them starting off with two or three styles because then are they really the master? You oh, know what I, I, mean? I, I no, I would give them two or three styles, um, mostly because. If you are raised in a monastic tradition, you're going to be trained at least the intro into a couple of styles, and then those styles could then grow, right, and, and, and can and um, can but, be developed as they go along, right? Again, this is dependent upon who you end up like training, what your monastery is, because if you've got multiple classes with multiple masters, then yes. But if you end up going to the mountaintop with the one, it's always a bird creature in my head. I think you can thank Kung Fu Panda for that. Because you know pandas aren't birds, right? You have children. You should know better than this. Be- because the <laughs> and father- if you've never seen Kung Fu Panda, please stop everything you're doing and watch it. <laughs> I have seen all of the Kung Fu Pandas multiple times, including the weird holiday specials. But perfect. <laughs> that's too deep of a dive for me. But I, I've I've seen the first one and the the not the master, but the um, the father figure, the adopted father, sticks out in my it's head. It's a duck. Yeah, or a goose. He's a goose. Sure. He stands out in my head as being someone that is very much exactly what I want. I want Way of the Crane, and it's always an Aarakocker in my head for some reason. Um, And it's always a crane sitting at the... Well, there is a crane in that as well. Yeah, but sitting at the very top of a mountain that will teach you this one style, this one move. Yes, I will teach you, but first you must meditate and chop wood for six and a half years. And then you'll be focused enough to do this, right? You want Mr. Miyagi. Kind of, right? Yeah. And I, I really, really want that for for my monk more so than I come from this big-ass school. Does a monastery not just feel like an orphanage with a couple extra steps? Yes. It can. It, as far it's as, like an orphanage and a temple had a baby. As far as your backstory goes, right? Yeah. Like, because I leave the monastery to go out and find the blah, 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 blah to help the monastery. Yeah. Which is what you're doing when you come from an orphanage or a temple or whatever. Yeah. This is the same kind of shit, just reflavored. But I think that's what we're all trying to say at the same time in different ways, is that it doesn't have to be your traditional monastery. For you, it can be just the one-on-one on the back of a turtle. Or, like, yeah. um, in the forest, in the trees, you meet someone that has this skill that you really want to learn. So you spend four or five years with this person learning how to do this. Like, I feel like that is more of a monk trait than it is anything else. Taking the time to be very good at something. It doesn't have to be your traditional nunnery, monastery type thing, I, I think right? the closest you get is a wizard. Yeah. To that, to that kind of dedication to craft. Book study. Uh, yeah, without, and then bards. Well, I don't know. You, you've got assassin guilds and that, you know, we're going to train you up. You've got you've got your samurai fighters. Like, there are other places you yeah. can find it, but to a much lesser degree. Yeah. Right? And so, I think this is the pinnacle of this this style. Yeah. The difference is the, uh, the icons and the masters. I think that's the thing that really 
differentiates it from other things. Yeah, so. which is why I kind of wanted to spend more time on on those. This is why I say I think the monastery entry is weak and there needs to be more to it just to make it more unique and more flavorful. Yeah. I want I want you to, to be able to choose your population size. It, the Goliath training with pixies is a fun joke, but that's awesome. And that's nowhere, it's not represented no. anywhere in this book. So I, I mean, and we've said this in, in uh, previous episodes as well, that taking these random tables and applying them to other classes still will work to an extent. Yeah. Right? Everyone should have a master. If you're martially trained or you come from an organization. Yeah. You've got a captain, you've got a corporal, you've got all those things. Yeah, yeah and, and even your backgrounds will have, your sailor will have a captain, your soldier will have a general. Your, everyone is going to have their, their... And in a way, everyone should have their monastery. It's just if you're a sailor, it was the boat you were trained on. Or if it... If, exactly. If you're a... Uh, cleric it's the temple you were trained in right like and i'm now imagining the monk traveling with the fighter and they get to like the encampment where they were trained like the mercenary and then the monk being like oh so this is your monastery is it and then starts walking around like judging the entire like monastery but it's just a battleground <laughs> I, I see no meditation but there's lots of grunting mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. oh and then that's cool because then the barbarian gets to the open plains and like says as far as the horizon, this is my monastery, right? Like, yeah. Oh, that's badass. So, like, if we start thinking outside the box and start extrapolating, like you said before, Megan, this is step one. Yeah. yeah. Right? In the in the thought process. Okay. Uh, like we have said, next on the list is the master. Um, it's fairly self-explanatory. This is the guy who uh, trained you. Um, this is the person who has uh, either... Through force and aggression and abuse has brought you up in your skills or through kindness and gentleness and peace has brought you up. Um, Some of the options that you have here is your master was a tyrant whom you had to defeat in single single combat to complete your instruction. Other ones were um, your master seemed good hearted while tutoring you but betrayed your monastery in the end. And, uh, or your master was kind and generous, never critical of your progress. Nevertheless, you feel you never fully lived up to the expectations played on, placed on you. So guys, do we like, uh, the master mechanic? Uh, is there a unique one you might throw out there, Adam? Again, I'm going to circle back to the Feywild and I, we mentioned Hags earlier. The blue orange mentality is great for masters of the martial arts because they see the world through a different lens than other people do. The idea that they sit down and they do not have the, well, it's neither good nor bad. You do this one thing. They're not necessarily fey going, ooh, buttons, right? But they they may have a button collection that is framed on the wall when that was from my younger years. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's very much about... Um, a unique perspective that you are trying to gain by by following a certain discipline. And I like that these are motivations and not just lists of you got a hobgoblin master, you got a bugbear master, you got a human master, which is kind of what I was expecting from Xanathar's, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, the fact that they went into the real character motivations, understanding who your master is, is... Almost as important as knowing who your character is. Mm -hmm. Because that will flavor so much of your backstory. So, I think that you have to couple this with a background. Oh yeah, for sure. 
So that's that's the thing is everyone's going to sit there and say, oh, he was the old wise Mr. Miyagi type, or I have Master Splinter or whatever it is, right? He was <laughs> he was a were rat, but <laughs> but what whatever it is, it's going to change based upon which one of these backgrounds you have. If you are a noble or an urchin or whatever it is, it can really make a difference. And and if you're going to multi class, obviously it goes without saying monk pair so nicely with rogue. You're probably in some sort of guild as a rogue thief yep. or or pirate or or assassin. Your master could be part of that as well, right? And so now your master is the head of an assassin's guild yep. and you are part of the Foot Clan, right? There are lots of opportunities here for masters. Don't just go off of the shit. That, like, the table is great, but again, it's a jumping off point. Yeah. And so... There's a lot of potential. You're going to find your unique answer in the backgrounds. Cool. Mm-hmm. Megan? Um, I like the idea of... I thought about this when I'm thinking about elementals the other day. I like the idea of Genasis and the fact that they technically are their own monastery and their own... Yep. So, But then I was thinking, okay, well, if they were to have a master of some kind, it would probably be like a legendary elemental. Or a gin. It'd be straight yeah. up be a genie. So I just I, I liked that idea of it being an actual all powerful being that's not necessarily a god, but could kill you with the blink of an eye if it felt like it. So there was an imminent threat if you did not follow what you're supposed to be doing well, or you, what have you. And and if you're choosing an intelligent race as your icon, you could do that as well. Like Yeah. Uh the the reason why your character follows the beholder is because you're being trained by a beholder. <laughs> you don't say no to a beholder. You don't. Right. <laughs> What would a good monk of a beholder look like? Uh, his master's probably a spectator. Mm. Fair enough. Yeah. Because they're they're neutral. They're not evil. They're weird as all fuck, but they're still neutral. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I, I would like to see the, the, the master that's, a, that's an elder brain. And you grew up surrounded by mind flayers. <laughs> And they trained you to... Oh, no, man. They, no, they trained you to sneak through the Underdark and infiltrate small groups of people and bring them back towards the... So, so in in in, in uh, Jewish temples, there is a thing called the Holy of Holies. Uh, and this is specifically the ones in, like, uh, Jerusalem, um, where it's like this... I nearly made a Mexican food joke and then decided that would be crass. Yes. Uh, it is a, like, <laughs> two-foot-thick curtain that separates the general worshipping populace from this area. And only, like, the head priest could go in and out. If you have like an elder brain or beholder or like one of these, pay no attention to the mind behind the curtain, right? (laughs) Uh, But you have your character could follow a master that they have never actually laid eyes upon. So we're now going to move over into the subclasses after a quick commercial. Hello, everybody. You guys know me as Coffee Bitch Dave. You've heard me on quite a few episodes at this point, as well as the Call of Cthulhu miniseries. Uh, I'm hijacking this commercial spot right now just to let you guys know a little bit about the campaign builder. Adam and Dan are super into this and they've done a really good job at not just helping you with the three pillars of of D&D, but almost that fourth unknown one and that's the transition between them. It really helps you learn a little bit more and keep your players engaged, which is one thing that I've found can be kind of hard. It's that downtime between exploration, role-playing, and combat, and they do a great job. Anyways, guys, check it out. You guys will like it. Go do it now. I mean, maybe not right now because you're listening to another episode, but like when you're done, go to that now. Do it. Do it. Do it. 
And now back to the episode. All right, so welcome back. Um, as with our other episodes, we're going to be covering some uh, subclasses here. We've got the Drunken Master, Kensai, and Way of the Long Death. Um, we're old old hats at this at this point, so we're going to roll for offer initiative, and whoever wins gets to uh, discuss theirs first. So let's go. Ah! I got an 11. I got a 1, but you bumped me. And Adam me. fucked everybody up and threw his dice outside of the... I got a 2. Uh, okay, so the numbers have changed. Megan's got an 18. Mm-hmm. I got a 14. Adam's got a 2. I'm happy with it, though. Yeah. Okay. I'm stoked with it. So I'll go? Yep. Okay, so yes, I have the Drunken Master. Surprise, surprise. Surprise, surprise. Uh, Kale surprise. Um, so I'd like to make point towards the wording of what the Drunken Master is. So it's just a way of moving with the jerky, unpredictable movements of like a drunkard. So you know how drunken people, they sway when they're a little bit too I've never been drunk in my life. (laughs) I know from experience that's bullshit. I've been drunk on this podcast. (laughs) Yes, you have. I've heard it. Um, But yeah, so they basically totter on unsteady feet or present what seems to be like an incompetent like person in combat, but actually kind of proves to be more... Fasted, light on their feet, more fluid. They move really quickly. And I think that's the biggest piece to understand about them is that it's basically just learning how to make your body really soft so that you can dodge, move. Thank God Terry's not here. I know, right? You don't have to be Terry. You can pretend that he's actually not here. Grandma and oatmeal bath. Grandma and oatmeal bath. <laughs> you know what? You can go that way with this. It felt like it. Um, but that's the point is that you're a little bit more fluid. So you're... Okay, stop, stop with the faces. <laughs> I'm sorry. We're, you're the one that said it's a way to make you soft. Okay, Man. let's talk about dicks. Did you want to talk about <laughs> dicks right now? <laughs> I got distracted by grabbing an oatmeal bath. Like, why that thing? Oh, shit, raisins. <laughs> Nobody likes raisins in their oatmeal. Dif- different kind of oatmeal. <laughs> a bunch of Quaker oats. No, okay, we're moving on. It's wrinkly like a raisin. <laughs> oh. You guys are the worst. <laughs> I take back everything I said earlier. <laughs> okay. Anywho, so the drunken master has erratic and stumble is erratic and stumbles to conceal its very careful like dance moves. Um, so, what do you right off the hop? Just just a one sentence from you guys. What do you guys think about the drunken master when you think about it right away? Jackie Chan. Yeah, I can't yeah. get Jackie Chan out of my head because that goddamn movie. <laughs> the drunken master yeah yes yeah so and yes that is what i think of but i and i've said it a few times where i feel like with this one they don't necessarily have to be alcoholics and i want to drive that point home they're and dancers they're dancers and it's just a way of life and it's a way of learning right yeah. it's just a different way to move your body it just reminds you of what a drunken person looks like yeah so i almost want to see like a drunken master like monastery that is actually 100% sober. Like there is no alcohol whatsoever. There is no brewery nonsense to it. Maybe they work in the brewery, but they don't actually, because there is the brewery stuff in the well, mechanics, but. Would not, okay. I, I got to back up and say, isn't, wouldn't it be just so much fun if all of the disciples were stone sober and didn't realize that the drunken master was drunk and they were just trying to emulate him. You're <laughs> <laughs> like, you chew like this. And then he just stumbles and crashes into shit, and everyone else stumbles and crashes into shit, like seven people at a time. <laughs> <laughs> that's, where, that's where it was all came from. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's 
awesome. Some guy just stumbled into the monastery and was like, I guess he's a master now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it would be like that weird trope of where the master is supposed to show up that day, but like died on the way and some other random drunk guy showed up and everybody yeah. thought he was the master. Are you Master Poe? Yeah, yeah, Master Poe. And now that you're there for five years. Yeah, and this is my life now. And I have to keep up this trope somehow. Yep. <laughs> I love it. All right, so for the stats for them, um, their bonus proficiencies is at third level. You get proficiency of performance skill um, if you don't already have it. And your martial arts technique is a mix of combat training and precision, basically like a dancer. Um, they do tend to act like gestures. Um, so I'm confused. This is about being soft and being good performer? Absolutely. Interesting. Yes. Interesting. It takes years to learn. <laughs> <laughs> um, you no. also gain proficiency in no. brewer supplies um, if you don't already have it, which I think kind of fits in the they learn something that's monotonous in their life. So if you're a drunken master, yours is you work in a brewery is the most common yeah. trope. I, I, I often, if you are a brewer in my games... Uh, you are often a beekeeper. That's 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 what I see. That's as. so weird. Interesting. That's odd. See, I want vineyards. Yeah. Instead of a brewery, like, like a winery. Yeah, the monks, the monks well, this, working the, in the vineyard. This is another one of those uh, uh, Western influences in my brain um, taking over because it's um, one of the things monastic traditions in the like medieval Judeo Christian uh, world were monks raised bees uh for the making of mead makes sense actually right? that, yep that, that checks out yeah <laughs> and and that was the reason that's why a lot of our uh stereotypes of friars even like friar tuck being a drunkard that's where we get that from is because no. they raised bees so i'm also now just imagining like this uh monastery of like 300 drunken masters and they all just are artisans of fine wine just randomly like yeah. just <laughs> I, I, I like the, the idea that they each have their own microbrewery in their room, and mine is so much better than yours. I have 6% more hops. Oh my gosh. And they have like garage doors oh that they open on weekends where they all sell and trade their own beers and brews. <laughs> A monastery of hipsters. This oh is not the way God. I want to do this. <laughs> I all of a sudden just don't walk like in, it's just like everyone's talking about IPAs, and I, I no, I burned mm. the place to the ground. It's got a lot of hops to it. Yeah. Did you just. <laughs> This, this has a bit of a grapefruit backing, so... Ugh. It's all about the citrus. <laughs> oh, God, please stop. <laughs> okay. It has been a long time since we have, like, railed against uh, IPAs. If people of this podcast beer. can't tell, Adam and I drink stouts. Yeah. For the most part. <laughs> I just drink alcoholic beverages. Um, Including hand sanitizer. <laughs> if anybody has any, I'll take it. Um, Kills COVID. <laughs> I'm so clean from the inside. <laughs> Better alcohol than disinfectant, Megan. <laughs> what? <laughs> you had bees? <laughs> and moving on. Moving on. <laughs> we wanted you to do Drunken Master so we wouldn't get derailed and it totally fucking backfired. Yeah, yeah, sorry guys. Um, at third level, you learn how to twist and turn um, as quickly as part of your flurry of blows. Uh, whenever you use Flurry Blows, you gain the benefit of the disengage action. So this basically plays into the fact that you're a very speedy character. You get in, you get out real quick. <laughs> that is so powerful. It's ridiculous. It yeah. is the center of the Drunken Master in my mind. Yes, exactly. Right? And that just bleeds into its fluidity that it can dodge, move, and 
move around people very quickly. And then when you add on top of that, that one, it's also increasing your speed when you're already the fastest class. In the yeah, game. sorry, I didn't mention at the end that it does increase your speed by 10 feet until the end of your current turn. So you are running in, beating the hell out of something, and running f- farther away than they could possibly get you with no attacks of opportunity at all during that movement. Yeah. It's it's amazing. I it's, just want to see a really drunk person run up, headbutt someone, and then just like wiggle away. Go drinking with Adam. <laughs> go drinking with Adam. You'll oh, see no. it. Yep. Get Adam on vodka. You will see it. Sounds like a good time. <laughs> um, tipsy sway. So at sixth level, you can move in sudden swaying ways. You gain. I'm feeling personally attacked right now. <laughs> <laughs> I was just trying to take some of the heat off Megan. I'm sorry. We're basically just talking about Adam right now in this whole fucking sure. master. Um, so you gain the following benefits from your tipsy sway. One of them is being leaped to your feet, which is when you're prone, you can stand up by only spending five feet of movement instead of your whole, your half your speed. Can I just say, I've never seen a drunk person be quick to get to their feet. I, oh, I no, have. I, yes. Yeah. From couch to toilet. Yeah. In an instant. Oh yeah. Okay. Fair. Yeah. And uh, you're so, I find that when I'm drunk and I fall over, I tend to roll and stand up immediately. I don't know. I, I, we have to, we have to test this theory, mate. <laughs> I just, like, this movement has to be preceded with a, (laughs) and then you are lightning quick. I just, I feel when your senses are actually heightened and then de-heightened at the same time when you're super drunk. So when I fall, in my head, a thousand thoughts happen. This is going to be very embarrassing, so I have to make this look as fluid as possible. So I just roll really quickly. I, I, I get the impression of you, like, falling over and then suddenly, suddenly you're back on your feet, arms up, and you're like, ha I made yes, it. stuck the landing. Yep, broke my ankle, but here I am. Here I am. <laughs> uh, funny story, I did bust my knee doing a drunken cheerleading stunt. So, yes, that has happened in my life. <laughs> I somehow just got more respect for you. <laughs> Um, along with Tipsy Sway, you get the redirect attack, which is when a creature misses you with a melee attack roll. You can spend one key point as a reaction to cause that action to, sorry, attack to hit one creature of your choice, um, other than the attacker that you can see within five feet of you. I freaking love this. Yeah. Yeah. This is really flavorful. What level do you get this one at? This is all level six. Yeah, that's super flavorful. Again, this is one of these things, as a dungeon master, I'm sitting there going... Ah oh, shit. Okay. All right. Fine. Let's 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 do this. Yeah, I'm thinking like crazy bar fight though, right? Like you my, duck and they hit the person yeah. behind you, like yeah. that kind of trope. And that's the thing. Like my favorite part about this is it's within five feet of the drunken master. Oh yeah, it can be right? behind you. So it right? can be behind you. So you're basically giving that guy reach for a turn. Yeah, to hit his friend behind or you or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think it's good. I have seen this ability used. Uh, one of my buddies played up. Drunken Master, fairly high level, and I, I, I saw him redirect things just to hit the, uh, um, high armor paladin standing next to him, and he would read the redirect the attack so that it would go into the shield. It would go into the shield. It's yeah. high as you just think. Yeah. <laughs> so, it, it it it's always funny when it happens. Always funny. Always climactic. Always awesome. It's really cute. Um, starting at 11th level, you get the Drunkard's Luck, uh, which is you always seem to get a lucky bounce at the right moment. Uh, when you make an ability check, an attack roll, or saving throw, and have disadvantage, you can spend two key points to cancel a disadvantage on that roll. <sighs> that seems weak at 11th level. Yes. However, 
I like it because you're front-loaded anyway. You're stacked yeah. with all the other shit, so... Yeah, I just feel like if I was to play a monk, this would not really come into play in my mind. As I don't know. The amount of things that could uh, impose disadvantage at 11th level and higher, it makes sense to me. I, 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 I like this. I like how it fits. Um, I just imagine this guy playing like a halfling monk mm-hmm. with this ability. Then you just always will hit. Yeah. That's just who you are. I think it's also a really good... I think it's the balance, too. You can get in and you can get out when it comes to your attacks. Mm-hmm. But if there's ever anything that stops you from being able to get out, this is what keeps you safe when you're up front with someone. Yeah. I, I like this because it is. it doesn't mean you're going to hit necessarily more often. Mm-hmm. It means that you're going to miss less often. Yeah. Which seems like a strange splitting of hairs there, but I like that it's not imposing advantage. It's just removing disadvantage. But at the same time, because advantage and disadvantage cancel out, if you could remove that disadvantage to gain advantage because you're removing that cancel out, that's awesome if you have advantage from another source. No, no, no. That's that's not how this works. Okay, so if, if Megan, for example, has um, disadvantage for one reason and advantage for another, that means that she is doing a straight roll and does not get to apply this feature. I would disagree. Because she's not rolling with disadvantage. But right you now. have disadvantage and you have advantage. No. The disadvantage is canceling. No, your the conditions have been are, are cancelled out. You don't gain disadvantage or advan- or advantage at all because you're not rolling with either. I don't think that's how that works. I would definitely if if you had advantage and disadvantage on a thing all right, hold on. What, and you spent what's, the what's two the key points. Let me reread this for you. Because I'm on the side of Dan. So when you make an ability check, an attack roll, or a saving throw, and have disadvantage, you can spend two key points to cancel the disadvantage. So if you look at the advantage and the disadvantage is two different entities is canceling each other out, and then you say, Nope, I want to use my drunkard's luck, cancel out the disadvantage. Your, does your advantage still stay? It, I it, would say yes. I know yeah. it, it comes down to the fact that when you roll, and that's what it is, it says when you roll, which means if you're doing a straight roll because they've been canceled out, then you're doing a straight roll. You're not rolling with disadvantage in that moment. You are rolling one die. Mm. I, no, I, on, I, honestly, it's one of those things that, that you should it, put this it, on your subreddit. it's actually probably uh it's one of those things that could be either or in my mind and if your character has gone out of the way to grant themselves advantage or some some situation has given them advantage and then the there's this disadvantage applied you can knock up that disadvantage to still get yeah and it it costs two key points like it's a it's a hefty cost yeah and i feel like it could be situational right like if you have disadvantage because you are grappled or what have you and you're saying well no i want to cancel out my disadvantage it's like sorry no you are still technically like wrapped up and grappled right like i feel like it would be situational okay so if you cancel out the disadvantage do you then gain advantage that's what you're saying yeah yes that's what i think so you are you are taking away the thing that is making it so you can't roll two dice yeah if that's what they wanted to do, they they should have worded it as saying you would gain advantage with an attack. But advantage, but we're looking at as advantages being given to you for something completely different, and disadvantages being given to you for something completely different. Yeah, and all um, this is doing is removing the disadvantage. You would already have advantage beforehand. The disadvantage has canceled that advantage. Now you're right, getting rid of the disadvantage before the roll. And my point is that it matters what order this the, the, the wording for this is, right? It does say it like cancels the disadvantage for that role. No. 
Right. So your ability check or your attack roll that you have rolled, it cancels out the disadvantage. I, I'm so, going okay, to so look... If you have rolled it and you rolled it straight, then it should that should be it. I'm going to look up the rules specifically for advantage, uh, which is one of my favorite systems of IV. I've said that multiple times. Um, to see exactly what disadvantage canceling out advantage, how that's worded. Because if it's worded that they're still you still have those two conditions... Uh, conditions then I would rule it my way. If it if it's you are effectively having nothing, then maybe your way. Yeah, yeah. Then right. That way sure. Just... So I'll look up advantage while we move on with the next thing. The here. intoxicated frenzy. So at seventeenth level, you gain the ability to make an overwhelmingly number of attacks against a group of enemies. This is really cool because it's like your. If I'm thinking MMO rules, this is your AOE attack as a <laughs> as a monk. <laughs> but it's all just fists and knees. Yes, it, you're just throwing fists. Uh, so you started blasting with your fists, basically. Uh, when you use we're your... not, not going to touch that. <laughs> no, all right, let's keep going then. <laughs> when you use your flurry of blows, you can make up to three additional attacks with it, up to the total of five flurry of blow attacks, provided that each flurry of blows attack targets a different creature this turn. Yep. So it is more, it's not that you can attack the same person a million times. This is your, I'm going to attack this mob that is coming after me kind of thing, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah, this is going to mop up your your minions pretty yeah. nicely. Especially if you're using the minions from 4th edition, that ruling, because each one of them technically has one hit point. Yeah. Right? So you're just walking in and knocking out Bobby five guys. Bobbing snoot and they're out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Right on the tip of the nose. Yes. <laughs> but I feel like this is like, it's great for 17th level because it will take you a long time to get there. And if, you, if you're looking at the learning development process of learning a martial art, this would definitely be, I feel, the top key of that. Well, it's interesting because the stuff that the monk gets stopped, it, it stops being super useful after about 7th level. Yeah. Right? Like the stock monk stuff. It's all about... Um, uh, being able to stop being charmed or frightened or uh, becoming immune to disease and poison. Learning languages. Uh, you get proficiency with saving throws. At no point are you getting more hits or attacks or any of these large mechanical bonuses. These are mechanical bonuses, but they're really passive. They're going to show up once every three sessions, maybe. Yeah. So I like the fact that we're still gaining shit really late for the monk. Because otherwise there'd be no reason to go this deep. Yeah. After sixth level, I would then be looking at another class, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so just to add some clarity on the advantage and disadvantage system, um, I might be changing my opinion here a little bit. Because what it says, um, and this is uh, page 173 of the Player's Handbook, if circumstances cause a role to have both advantage and disadvantage, you are considered to have neither. Okay. And then you roll the d20. Yeah. So this would not let you knock out a disadvantage to gain the advantage. Um, or would it? No, Shit. it specifically no. says that you have nothing. Okay. So yeah. your, your advantage is gone and your disadvantage is gone. You have nothing. Cool. So using it would literally do nothing. Yeah. Yes. Okay. It cool. would only be straight if you had disadvantage because you have that against you. Rules lawyer. Figured it out. Yay. Yay. Subreddit canceled. Finish it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there'll still be a post on the subreddit, so if you disagree with us, you should go there and comment. <laughs> but we won't listen. <laughs> we, we made our choice. No, no, Megan, we will listen. <laughs> it's just going to be Dave who's going to say, I don't know, talk to Adam or Dan. <laughs> and our response will be, listen to the fucking episode. It's a, it's an ongoing... It's a circle. It's a cyclical loop. It's monotonous and you will become a better monk. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> We're helping you. 
But otherwise, that is the Drunken Master, my friends. Cool. I love it. Um, my next, I guess I'm next in the list because Adam rolled a two after he tried to fuck with the dice. And succeeded. He did all right. But, yes. Not in his own favor. Uh, oh, I care as long as I take you down or not. So, my, uh, mine is the way of the Kensai. Uh, the Kensai are monks who also have favorite weapons, basically. Long story short. Um, and use their spiritual aspects to empower the weapons as well. Um, Kensai's can be fairly mystical, and they are... They are arguably one of the most Eastern flavored of the monk uh, paths or ways or however you want to say that. So, um, Kensai's are also incredibly front uh, loaded as well. Uh, when you choose the tradition um, at third level, you get the Path of the Kensai, which gives you one of, well, which gives you four separate little abilities um, as part of the path. First, you get Kensai Weapons, where you choose two types of weapons to be your Kensai Weapons. One must be a melee weapon, one must be a ranged weapon. Um, you if can I choose... throw my sword, can that be a ranged weapon? No, no. Okay. It, what about it is, throwing it, daggers? Yes, they could be. Excellent. Okay. Um, <laughs> what about throwing a sword that I've named dagger? No. Okay. Mm. Uh you're breaking my heart. Dude. So the only the only requirements upon this is that it cannot have the the weapons of uh, that you are choosing cannot have the heavy or the special subtype. You do not have to already have proficiency in them. They just cannot be of those two subtypes. So no models, no, no nets, no nets, that kind um, of thing, things sure. like yeah. things like that, right? Um, if you have a, uh, it, sorry. When you choose these weapons, you are counted as having proficiency if you already don't have it, and they count as monk weapons for you. Um, when you continue to gain weapons, uh, gain levels in the Kensai uh, at 6th, 11th, and 17th level, you could choose another type of weapon, either melee or ranged, to be a Kensai weapon as well. You also get Agile Parry. If you make an unarmed strike while wielding your Kensai weapon... Um, you can defend yourself with the Kensai weapon uh, to gain basically two plus two to your AC until the start of your next turn. As long as you are not incapacitated and uh, the weapon is in your hand. Hmm. Next, you have Kensai shot. As a bonus action on your turn, you make your ranged attacks with your ranged Kensai weapon. Um, you make them a little bit more deadly. When you do so, any target you hit with a ranged attack for that uh, turn, not that round, just that turn, gains an additional 1d4 damage of that weapon's type. So if you are shooting a target with a with your Kansai Longbow, um, you spend your bonus action in order to make each attack with that deal an additional 1d4 damage for that turn. It's kind of like your focus. It's You're your like, focus. Yes, yeah. I am using this weapon. This doesn't cost key. This is just straight damage that you could do as many times as you want, but you're burning your bonus action to do it. Now, I've Yeah, you're not really using your bonus action for much if you're ranged as a monk anyway. Yeah. So that, that fits kind of nicely. Yeah. Um, and then finally, you get the Way of the Brush where you gain proficiency with your choice of calligrapher supplies or painter supplies. This is your centering meditative act that you do. Now, what level is this? This is level three. All of this is level three. Yikes. Okay. Yeah, it's very... 
Okay. You like weapons. <laughs> yes. It's very focused on your weapon. Um, yeah, it is. At sixth level, you become one with the blade. Um, nope. Um, which basically lets you extend your key uh, to your Kensai weapons. Um, how it works is you get magic Kensai weapons where your attacks with your Kensai weapons count as magical for the purpose of overcoming resistance and immunity to non-magical attacks and damage. Um, as well as when you hit a target with a Kensai weapon, you could spend one key point to cause the weapon to deal extra damage equal to your martial arts die. This whole shit that monks get where they automatically get to bypass like the non-magical resistance is way too powerful. At low level like this, that this is... This is sixth level. This isn't That is level. low level for this because everybody else is still dealing with their bludgeoning, slashing, and... and piercing damage and the monsters that are tier two that have this um this resistance to any non-magical weapon they tend to be a little bit light they're relying on the fact that they can last multiple rounds mm -hmm. so if you have a monk that can bypass this shit like think ethereal like ghosts and stuff right the fact that a monk can walk up and punch a ghost is freaking weird. Well, it, it it it's very focused on the spiritual aspect of it. I get it. I like. I, it. I, I'm just saying that this is. I'm not saying I dislike it. I'm just saying it's more powerful than it sounds. Mm -hmm. This is actually a big deal mm -hmm. that you can do this with any weapon you want, as long as it's not heavy or special. That is a big deal. I think that the, the big piece of that toes too, toe too is that it's the, the balance of like not a lot of people level six can do that kind of stuff. Yeah. So if you are lucky in a party to have a monk that happens to have picked Kensai, you are lucky to have someone on the party that might be able to withstand this battle. That's well. that. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm saying. Like yeah. at, at level nine, eleven, around there, everybody is gaining the ability to bypass this yeah. shit already. Yeah. So uh, all your other martial classes, I mean, like. Your spellcasters are bypassed at a level one. Yeah. So it just... It That's feels, why I don't think it's that powerful. It's powerful enough, especially when you are able to run forward and do all of your crazy other key shit. The fact that you can hit, what, four times at this level? You can do four yep. attacks that are bypassing that? That's powerful. Whereas the fighter at this level gets two attacks that are resistant. Yeah. Right. I do feel like it's it's special enough though that you're not gonna come into that kind of a situation often enough that they'll be able to show off that they can do this. Oh, I saw it enough DMing a freaking monk in the in the yeah. last campaign, but one before that, mm -hmm. right around level eight, nine, ten. It was incredibly frustrating because the monsters with that CR are just starting to gain this, but they're not getting other abilities to back it up yet. Yeah. Okay. All right. So it just it makes it lopsided for a couple of levels. Okay. That's why I say it's just it's just early for this one. Okay. Like yeah, maybe fair. level so, eight or level nine, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. So yeah. anyway, I really like this. I like I like the flavor of it, but it's just it's early. It's it's more powerful than it looks on paper. Yeah. So now I've learned that if I'm going to play in another Adam game, that I need to play a Kensai monk. You go right ahead. I've learned how to counter. <laughs> Damn <monks>. it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, falling from very high things uh, and getting blended <laughs> is, I think, how Adam responds to monks. Oh, oh yep. Leaving we, a spleen and a foot. A boot. A boot. A, a boot. boot. Well, there, there was a foot in the boot, wasn't there? It was a boot and a... Yeah, there was. Yeah. Yeah. That was good times. Love it. Rip. Anyways, uh, for the Death Strike ability, I just want to say you can only use it on one attack each round. Okay. Uh, this is the thing that you're spending your key to gain that extra martial arts dice, too. 
At 11th level, you gain the ability to sharpen the blade, which is you augmenting your weapon further with your key. As a bonus action, you could expend up to three key points uh, to grant one of your Kensai weapons a bonus to attack and damage rolls up to are equal to the amount of key you spend up to three this bonus lasts for a minute or until you use the fe uh, the feature again this effect has uh, this feature has no effect on any magical weapon that already has bonuses to attacks and damage rolls so if you are using a mundane longsword and longswords are your kensai weapon um then you could spend up to three key points to basically make it an up to three magic item. Okay, so... Sure. Yeah. The, at 11th level, that's pretty decent. Especially since plus three magic items in this game are rare or, or epic. No, they're very rare. Mm. Yeah, very rare. So, so, honestly, if that was a plus two, I would almost want to swap that with the last one. Really? Okay. Yeah, just for the mechanical balance that mm -hmm. I would look for. I'd look, I've DM'd against monks far too much. And this is I would swap that. It feels more balanced, but this is a very strong class because it's front heavy. Yeah. Yeah. Um finally at 17th level you get unerring accuracy, which is where you are um it's sorry. it's where you show up the ranger. It's where you show up the Elven Ranger. Yeah. Um, your mastery of weapons grants you an ex uh, an extraordinary sense of accuracy. If you miss with an attack Made with any monk weapon on your turn, you can re-roll it. You can only use this feature once on each of your turns. Does not cost key to do it. So if you miss, you could re-roll once a turn. So if I take a halfling Kensai monk with the lucky feat, I am just going to piss off the dungeon master. Um, I that was my unique idea. <laughs> uh, was it? <laughs> um, I. I would almost say a elven monk with the elven accuracy feat. Yeah, okay. Would 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 generate the same amount of Like your of classic rage. wood elf would also. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, I missed. No, I didn't. I missed. No, I didn't. I really did not. I, it went over here and then ricocheted off the brick behind him. Yeah. 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 That was intentional. Fuck. <laughs> I love it. Anyways, so that is the Kensai monk. Yeah. It, it is very offensive heavy. Um... With that little bit of defenses with your agile parry, as long as you're pairing your um, melee weapon attacks with unarmed attacks, so it, it's it. I I feel for a very combat oriented class, it's it's great. Fits. That leaves us with the way of the long death, which is in the Sword Coast Adventures guide. Um, this is the one that cannot be found in Xanathar's of the Player's Handbook. Yep. I've got some thoughts about this before I even jump into it because they're so uniquely flavored to be the evil monk. Mm -hmm. Because they are obsessed with death. Specifically, the death of intelligent creatures. Mm -hmm. And if you are dying or you um, are on death's door or whatnot, they will take you in and they will look at you and they will watch you die and they will write it down and they will take notes and they will study you dying and they will not try to heal you. I played one of these. You played one of these. Yeah. This who this, was a serial killer. Yes. Yeah. Who if like I cannot see an instance when you choose this character where you would hand a health potion to a friend. Yeah. I'm gonna go stabilize, quote unquote. Psst, you fail a death save. I'm <laughs> strangling you. So like I oh the, I legit cause drama at the table with this character. You usually do, Dan. So rude. 
Well, let's talk, <laughs> let's talk about your fucking gnomes, Dan. No, there's only ever been one gnome. Oh, shit. Felt like there were eight of them. Anyway, so... So, I just feel like like it. it's very, very difficult for you as a player to to play a good version of this mm-hmm. um, without looking at... I'm looking to figure out how death works to a greater to have a greater understanding of what a god is, or or um, dealing with the shadow fell or something. Like you really got to put your back into it when it comes to your backstory because these guys are almost crazy mad scientist level about it. Mm-hmm. So um, they they don't have the crazy front loaded shit that you guys get, but they it's it's crazy enough. It says right in the text, they're obsessed with the meaning and mechanics of dying. Once you're dead, they don't give a shit. Death is just an inevitability. Yeah. It's fine. Moving on. It's a part of life. Everyone does it. It's okay. Do you think they would resurrect based on that? I They don't have the inherent ability to, but I think that if they could see it happen... They would allow it. They would allow it to yeah. see what happens when you die a second time. Touche. They're going to be... It's flatliners. Yeah. Right? The mm-hmm. the movie Flatliner. So, anyway. Here we go. Starting when you choose this tradition at third level, you can extract vitality from another creature as it nears its demise. I want you to listen to what's missing from this one. When you reduce a creature within five feet of you to zero hit points, not kill, reduce to zero, you gain temporary hit points equal to your wisdom modifier plus your monk level. Woof. Did you notice that there is no end to that? Well, temporary hit points don't stack. Right, but you will have it for the entire day. Yeah. Until your next long rest. You go murder a shit ton of goblins. You murder one goblin. Yeah, but... Every day you wake up and be like, I just need to go get my refresher guy. Uh, Wizard, keep reading your book. Priest, you go pray. Uh, no, no, I'll be no, right no. back. You start off I'm your... just going to go snap a dog's neck. No, no. You start off with your grave cleric. And the two of you are leaning over the barbarian as he sleeps. So, okay, you're going to bring him back here in a minute? All right. Yeah, you break his neck. He's dead. The grave cleric brings him back. Ah, oh, that's good. Oh, I got another uh, 17 temporary hit points. Thanks, Some guys. kind of hitman shit. Yeah. <laughs> But, but no, specifically... Just, you have a zealot barbarian who's all like, all right, guys, let's do this first thing in the morning. Let's go. Half-orc zealot barbarian. Let's just get one of these Well, no, because the they have to be reduced to zero. So all of their shit is... When you're reduced to zero, you gain that one you, hit point. No, you can choose to be reduced to one hit point instead. Yeah. So you don't actually go to zero. So you would need anything but that. But so I... Waking I, up every morning, beating the shit out of your allies just so you get another chunk of hit points. <laughs> I kind of like it. I just love the, I love the idea of him just like tucking a gnome into a burlap sack and beating it against the tree first thing in the morning. I'm imagining you're trying to keep this a secret from the people you're traveling with. And like every night you have to roll to find out if you've gotten seen or heard by somebody yeah. while you were doing something like this. No, just take a level of uh, shepherd druid and do it to your animal companion. I, I like the idea of, of you wake I'm up. I'm a terrible person. I'm sorry. Oh you wake up in the middle of the night to see the, the monk, his face three inches from yours going, he's still breathing. 
But no, the thing that makes us powerful is, especially at low level, I said a, a whack of goblins, is because you can walk in, and the moment you kill one, because let's you take kobolds or goblins, anything yeah. with, with a, very few hit points. It doesn't matter how many hit points they have. It's your wisdom modifier and your monk level. You kill one, but three others hit you. Doesn't matter. Because it's digging at the temporary, you've lost the temporary again, doesn't matter, bang, I kill the next one. And now you're back up to that. Yeah, max. and you just keep regenerating that. Mobs are your best friend. So, um, but you're kind of, this is, this feels kind of weak for, you know, your, your giant one-on-one fights, your, your brute monster. Mm-hmm. Um, if it is a huge freaking elemental that walks in or two cultists, you may get one. Yeah. Or you got to wait until the very end of combat before you gain your temporary hit points. Yeah. yeah. So you're 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 the one class that is hoping for there to be minions in a room. Uh, you and what is the Horizon Walker and the Necromancer? Of, yeah, like you guys are getting off on that. That's the only thing you get at third level. Do you need more? Well, you guys had like seven fucking things each at third level. Like there was a lot going on. Yes, but ours didn't end up being plus twenty seven hit points. <laughs> Yeah, so if I try and balance this right, like ours were more like defensive, yours were a little bit more offensive down yeah. with the Kensai because you're fighting with weapons. Mine was I can just roll out of the way. Right? Yeah, but the ability to disengage when you it's punch someone. Dope. Yeah. Is yours more <laughs> even throughout the levels or is it more it front loaded? Um it's uh, I don't know. You make up your mind. Okay. I, I could argue it either way. Um the next one's called Hour of Reaping. That one was touch of death. So, like, we're, you're getting a real evil flavor yeah. from this, right? Yeah. At 6th level, you gain the ability to unsettle or terrify those around you as an action. So, this is an action. Um, when you take this action, each creature within 30 feet of you that can see you has to succeed on a wisdom saving throw or be frightened of you until the end of your next turn. A super weak. Most things are immune to fear by this point. Yeah, 6th level. It's, you can, this is going to be really, really good for social encounters. To scare the shit out of the guy to get a discount yeah. or to say, you know, your intimidation check is going through the roof on this. Yeah. Right? I, using this in combat seems counterintuitive to me for this guy because you want to be surrounded by the mob. It depends. Not it, scaring them away. If you've got your big bad evil guy and seven or eight minions, you can knock half the minions away for a round or two so you can focus Give on... Give yourself a breath. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. that's... Let someone else kill it for you. Yeah. And... <laughs> That's all you get at 6th level. Okay. Okay. The next one is Mastery of Death. Beginning at 11th level, you use your familiarity with death to escape its grasp. When you're reduced to zero hit points, you can expend, you can expend one key point without an action required to have one hit point instead. So it doesn't even use your reaction. And it's your key points. Yep, you use one key point to just shrug off that zero. And now you're at one. At 11th level. Well, okay, you're never dying. Ever. This character, you have beaten death. This character, I, I've got to drop you in a volcano. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, there has to be that Bury ongoing, you alive. Yeah, there, there has to be almost an a environmental. something. Inside yeah. something's stomach. You need, like, the swallowed mechanic is going to kill this guy. Right? And even then, you've got to last... How many key points? That's at 11th level, so you have 11 key points to burn through. You've probably used a few at this point, honestly, but... Yeah. Still, right? You're you're swimming in hit points at this, or at, in key points at this point. Um, the last one is Touch of the Long Death, seventeenth level. 
this is where it all comes together for this guy. And yet there's a caveat to it. Starting at the 17th level, you touch or your touch can channel the energy of death into a creature. As an action, as an action, you touch one creature within five feet of you and you expend one to ten key points. Then they make a con save and take 2d10 damage, necrotic, for each key point that you spent. Mm-hmm. So you can drop up to 20 d10. 20 d10. Yikes. Uh, and of course, half as much on a successful save, right? So, so they're still taking half. And it's a, what, a con save? Con save. <laughs> Screw you, Rogue. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but remember, um, this takes up your action, so you're not going to get all your other crazy monk shit on this time, right? And um, you spend it, and then you have to declare how many you're using before they roll their con save. So they could decide. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is not the Paladin Smite where you see if you hit or not, yeah. and then you choose. You're, you have to determine the amount of damage you're going to do before they roll their con. And that's it. That's what you get. That's 17th level. Now, that does feel like a 17th level ability. It like does. That's, that's does. really far up yeah. there. High wizard spell type shit. Yeah. But other than that, you're just essentially a straight monk. I'm not sure I would ever play this. I would dip into it for the third level ability. Yeah, I feel like this is your flavorful backstory monk that's coming along for more education and learning, not necessarily to be a dungeon crawling fighting character. Mm-hmm. That's the way I played it. Yeah, like he he was he just wanted to see how things died. Yeah, the death domain or grave domain cleric feels like they would even a necromancer thematically would move over to this. A, a rogue assassin mm-hmm. taking taking the first three levels of monk would be relatively powerful as well. This is kind of where I'm going, but I'm never... I don't give a shit about the 6th level ability. I don't give a shit about the 11th level ability. And the 17th level is great. But unless I am building a character for 17th level to come into a late campaign or a one-shot that's epic level, I'm not I'm not going after that, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I, uh, this is... This is one of these, these early subclasses that was built by Wizards of the Coast before they really understood what they were doing. A lot of skag is like that. A lot of the skag stuff is like that. This is also why we have the Purple Dragon Knight, right? Mm -hmm. Which is just weirdly imbalanced (laughs) and and totally fucking useless and is missing abilities as well. Like um, where there are, where fighters are getting stuff at some levels, the Purple Dragon Knight is just getting nothing. Yeah. Just literally nothing. There's a dead level in the Mm -hmm. Purple Dragon Knight. So I like the Sword Coast Adventures Guide for a lot of reasons. The subclasses are weak. And this is a perfect example of it, right? Yeah. This is an all or nothing subclass. Yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't do that subclass to level six or level 11. Like, whereas you might do a drunken master to level six just to get those yeah. moving abilities, but then yeah. move on to something else, right? This one, you Sa- definitely have to go to the end almost. Same with Kensai. I'd dip into Kensai. Yeah. But you wouldn't have to go all the way to the no. top. This one, there's nothing really enticing until higher until, level. Well, except for your other monk shit, yeah, right? So, like, well, you, you can get your other crazy monk stuff and run it on water. Yeah, but like nonsense. timeless body is... But yeah, there's really nothing beyond seventh yeah. level yeah. for that. So yeah. I, I like way long. You asked, is it balanced? And I went, like, eh. y- yes, because it's front and back, but there's nothing in the middle. Yeah. Right? So, all right. So, what we're going to do is we're going to move into a shout out and then we will come back and talk about some unique builds. Hey guys, Megan here wanting to shout out something a little different. I've mentioned them before, but thought I'd give it a little bit more of an official uh, shout out here. 
The Dames of D&D Facebook group, uh, this is a closed Facebook group for female-identified carbon-based human life forms, uh, where we can support and assist in other creativity around anything D&D or tabletop related. This is a place to post questions, thoughts, emotions, and general seeking of advice from anything of being a player to DMing to your first or 100th game. I've had a lot of great ideas that come from this platform, so feel free to seek them out on Facebook, request an invite, and you'll be asked a few questions, but the wait is worth it. All right, guys, we're back. Uh, We each have a unique build uh, of a character um, prepped, so let's grab our dice, let's roll, and cover our builds. I got a three. Got a four. You won with a four. I won with a four, guys. I won with a one. Yeah, I love it. Oh. So I already kind of alluded to mine where I really wanted to dig into being a I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but mostly just because I find that the mechanics behind it is pretty broken in the sense that if you have the lucky feet. But I, I wanted to tie this into the Drunken Master because when I first started talking about Drunken Master, I liked the idea of having a monastery or a group of monks that weren't alcoholics. Like I was like, you can do it as it's just a training thing. Yeah. I really want a monastery of a bunch of halfling drunk masters that are actually drunk. So when people see this monastery, they just think there's a bunch of drunk children running around. I just think the visual is really fun. <laughs> I like the idea. Never all... babysit. <laughs> I'm not a good <laughs> Never ask me, Dan. <laughs> I like that they're all sitting there from these giant glasses that are like pints in the hands of small it children. It comes in pints? Yeah, yeah it comes, <laughs> exactly. But it's 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 cooled tea. It's, yes. Like, it's and that's, that's it. Right. But I mean, I, I don't think I have to go too much into the stat block build of how broken it would be just in the sense that they're halflings. They can move through people's like spaces. They have halfling nimbleness mixed with a drunken master's ability to move and break. Like, yep. you would Give never be touched. Give them the lucky feet too. Yeah. Like you would not be touched. You're this tiny little halfling creature that's drunkenly waving around, rolling around people and striking the heck, the heck out of them. Like. I, I, I Honestly, I... The drunken master I played with was a halfling. And I could oh. tell you for a fact, it was annoying as shit. Because we would blink and he would pull another encounter because he got bored with this one, took a swig of his booze, and ran 200 feet down the fucking hallway <laughs> to start another fight. And then punched a dude just to piss him off and was all like, nah. Oh. Like made funny faces and turned and ran the other way. And here my barbarian is sitting there going, oh, you're back. What's that noise? <laughs> as the as the horde of creatures is coming storming down the hallway. Yeah. Like it, it's it's fun, but as another player at the table, fuck that guy. Yeah. Oh, as a dungeon master, fuck that guy. <laughs> How do you balance an encounter against that? Because you're gonna you're going to have the cleric with revivify, the paladin with ten thousand auras. Like the, it's just this is an impossible Oh my god, fit that is so built for care for, for players. <laughs> yes. It just it it's yeah. It's fun, it's interesting, it's funny, but you got to get damned creative when it comes to this stuff. Absolutely. You've got to find things. Everything has difficult terrain. Fuck you, monk. Right? Like, yeah, but halfling nimbleness. <laughs> <laughs> or go goblin and get uh, uh, way of the small or what is it, whatever it's called. Um, Fury of the Small. Fury of the Small. small. Yeah. Add on top of that as well. Yeah. Nope, I just think I think it would be hilarious. And I like the idea of, like, again, putting more details into your monastery, who your master is, that kind of stuff. I think it would be hilarious if all the actual masters were just drunk humans. and But they were teaching these halflings this drunken process. Like, I just think it would be funny. I like the idea of it's not even a drunk human, just a really tall halfling. There you go. That one really tall <laughs> halfling. 
<laughs> and he's like four and a half feet. He's the biggest. <laughs> we, we must follow him. Yeah. Then, then the next largest one becomes the next master. Yeah, it has yeah. nothing to do with your skill level, just how we, tall you are. <laughs> we just we just turned them into goblins or bullywugs. That's what we've just done. We've so, done this, yeah. yes. <laughs> um, so I did have a really awesome Kensai build, but um, knowing what I know of the way of the long death uh, monk, I would want to play a character who was just the undying character. This is a one-shot because I would only want to play this guy long enough for a one-shot because any longer than that, and I'm pissing off everybody at the table. Um, but have a couple levels of uh, druid in there so that I have my shape-shifting ability, my wild shape ability, be a zealot barbarian in there, probably be a half-orc or a mountain dwarf just to have that amount of hip, that boost of hit points. Um, and go at least 11 levels until way of the long death so that you are just this guy who cannot be put down full stop. Um, it to me sounds really, really fun, but again, for a one shot, my characters in every one shot I ever run always die because I don't give a shit and something ends up happening where they die. I've, <laughs> I've been killed by uh, intellect devourers, jumping onto pirate ships, saying the wrong thing and getting absolutely like peppered with uh, musket shot. I've been drowned, buried, set on fire, thrown into it. Like This is all your handiwork, right, Adam? Uh, I'm going to take responsibility for about 30% of this. Oh. Yeah, so, so like... I play one-shots to find really funny ways of my characters to die in a certain extent. And having that character be able to just stand back up and keep going to the next thing that might have an, might accidentally kill them, it just sounds like fun to me. And then this guy in a social situation is just like, here's what this scar is from, and here's what this scar is from, and here's what this scar is from. And that was last week. So, like, <laughs> I feel like... It would be really fun as like a half work, not necessarily mechanically, but just because of their mentality of being proud of their scars. Yes, and stuff exactly. Like that. Yeah. I just think it would be like almost having a brute that has this monk background. Yep. And is just super wants to continue dying, so it has all these stories to carry. With and itself. and like his his monastery would be that like basement uh basement apartment underneath um the meat shop at the bad end of town. And his master is the the guy who runs the shop and is like that Mr. Miyagi, but is just... He's a butcher. A butcher, but he's just kind of abusive to the guy as well. It's like, just this guy is a street-level thug. Give him the urchin background. Um, mm. And and I'm ignoring a lot of the fascination with killing things part of this because I think he's just an idiot who cannot die. So it would just be like the psychological impacts of being someone who can't die. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. So when you were talking before about the Kensei and, oh, and you add these magical powers to your blade, I'm like, oh, okay, so you're Pact of the Blade then. You're a warlock. Yep. And then it occurred to me that you're actually Hexblade and that the Way of Long Death is an undying. Patron, oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm, okay. Which would mean the Drunken Master's a fae, like a satyr. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Right, <laughs> so there, there's there's a lot of, of flavor I, overlap here. I would like to subscribe to the monks are warlocks subreddit. Yeah. Like that, that sounds like something that is super fun as a character build. What what are the other what are the other monk? There's uh, Sun Soul would be the celestial. Yeah, yeah. What do we have? Do we have anything for the great old one? Uh, the 
Way of the Open Palm, but that doesn't really... Shadow, maybe? Shadow. Yeah, definitely Shadow. And then Fiend would be what's left. Way of the Open Palm is the only thing we have left. No, there's there's more. There's more. There is... Uh, four elements. Uh, if, the, if you go fire, fire, if you go stuff, fire yeah. there... Yeah, yeah. alright. So, anyway. Anyway, not not the point. I would I would play a um I was thinking about my my serial killer that you guys remember from last campaign Doctor Plimens yeah I hate that guy yeah who was uh, one of his forms was as essentially a plague doctor he was an, an ibis um, Aarakocra he was a shapeshifter but he he loved experimenting on people and watching them die I and dance character super ashamed that I'm just catching the fact that he was like a plague doctor because of the you the just mask. picked that you up. Just, I just figured that, that out up. yeah. All right. So Dan's character um, actually ended up, uh, they were removing his brain, but trying to keep him alive at the same time. I'd like to contend the only reason why I just figured this out is because a shit like this was happening. I had other stuff going on. Okay. Uh, and uh, <laughs> and they, were, they were cutting open his, they were peeling back his scalp and cutting open his skull while feeding him minute uh, amounts of healing potions, uh, which is really dark and creepy, but I feel like that is the kind of shit that, that a way of the long death. Would do. That is the longest death. Yeah. Right. And I, I really, really like that. Um, as far as um, DM. well, as far as a serial killer character goes on this. Yeah. But then I was thinking I would just play Mister Zaz from from the Batman. Yep. A mythos who is just he's just a serial killer that likes to kill people, and every time he does, he carves one more line on his body, and he's keeping tallies, and he's covered in scars. Yeah. And that's it. He's just, he runs around essentially in shorts with a knife. And he, you can see like 80%, 85% of his body. And it's just covered in tiny little tallies all over where he is. He's covered in these markings, each one for one person I've killed. Hmm. And I like the idea of him collecting each of the intelligent races or each of the aberrations or each of the, and he's out on a mission to collect. Right. Uh, a different way that things are dying and he keeps a little journal and he's going to publish it. And that's the big thing. And his monk tools that he's going to get is, will be a calligraphy set because he is just taking notes and yeah. he's, he's drawing the look on their faces as they die. Yeah. And he's just he's really a good artist. Yeah. Like, yeah. Really detailed drawings. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he does it effortlessly. And I just think that he's, he's just, fuck, he's just a bad guy. Imagining him being in the party, like just sitting there after like the like there's like a horde of kobolds just dead on the ground. He's like just sketching them out. He's like propping one of the corpses up just to get the right angle. Yeah, everyone's <laughs> like, let's start putting the camp together, and he's just like rearranging, like, <laughs> drawing things. And <laughs> yeah, can you please bring that light a little bit closer? Hold hold the lantern right there. Perfect. I'm gonna. Paladin, bring over your yeah. <laughs> shine. Thank you. Um, puts out a, one of those little folding easels, just comes out nicely. <laughs> I also like the idea of uh, no, we, we we needed to, like we we needed to um to interrogate that guy so he can't die. What do you mean he can't die? We can kill him after though, right? Yeah. And then you're lawful good character. No, we don't kill captives. Oh, since when? Well, look, you don't kill captives. You can leave, right? If yeah. you if you're not here, it doesn't count for you, right? <laughs> and like I just feel like he's always negotiating. I gotta come up with a good reason for him to stick with the party, though, and yeah. to not just, you know, when the when the ranger goes down, he's not just pinching the nose closed. Yeah, 
think he's that's not, the hard part. He's not carrying around a hospital pillow just to put them out of their misery. <laughs> Specifically a hospital pillow. Yeah, that's his monk weapon. <laughs> oh, that got really dark. Yeah, yeah that got yeah. really dark. <laughs> oh, okay. We found the hole. <laughs> okay, so, so that'll be it for this week's episode on monks. Uh, you guys can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube, as well as dozens of other podcast apps. You can also find us at itsamimic.com or email us at info at itsamimic.com. Thanks for listening to the It's a Mimic podcast, and make sure to check us out next week when hopefully we're not going to be as dark and we're going to cover elementals. You've reached the end of another episode of the It's a Mimic podcast. Connect with us at itsamimic.com. Don't forget to subscribe and hit those share buttons. Thanks for listening, and see you next week. Okay, guys, we've been talking about monks this entire episode, and uh, we spent a lot of time talking about, like, the monasteries and the different tokens and whatnot that a monk order kind of builds their uh, entire tradition around. And I got to ask you guys, when it comes to your style of monk, how do you like to play it? Do you like to play more of the European style of monk, more of the Eastern style of monk? Like, how, how do you like to do that? So let's grab the dice and roll it. <laughs> wow. Dean. Okay, I got an 18. Adam got a 17. Wow, we all rolled pretty high on that one. That's yeah, all right. Yep. Okay. Um, me, I find the Eastern style of monk, and I mean, let, let, I covered the Kensai. This is an Eastern style of monk class, but I find yeah, you're, it's... You're the martial artist. You're a martial artist, so it's, it's a little played out in my mind. I really want to see a Friar Tuck monk level thing, like a... a, a um, Ju- not Judea Christian, but like that 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 style, like King Arthur level monk out there who just does his brewery, does his everything else, but could also kick your ass with a quarterstaff if it comes down to it. I want to see a uh, more European representation of the monks, um, and and what they can do. So I think the next monk I'm going to play is definitely going to be that kind of monk. Where he's just a big fat jolly friar, or or a, a deacon, or a person who runs a small like roadside temple somewhere. Yeah. Okay. You know the difference between a monk and a friar, right? I think I actually said this in the other monk episode. We, I guess this is my memory was refreshed about four I, I, hours ago. I think, yeah. Maybe. <laughs> okay. All right. So a quick refresher. Um, a monk is someone who stays in the monastery and a friar is someone that goes out and helps the community. Yeah. Right. So we don't actually play monks. We play friars. Yeah. In D&D. Right. So, um, I don't know. My answer is I always thought that the monk should be kind of more religious in D&D. I agree. Just the way that it should be flavored. And I, I understand the martial artist and I get that, but I feel like you could break the monk subclasses up. To have some of them, you know, weigh the long death, weigh the open hand, go into fighter, because we have samurai. Kensei can go over there as well. But then you've got the elementals, uh, the the uh, way the four elements. Yep. You've got your, um, your uh, sun soul, right? And all of these ones can go over into almost the cleric, right? Or the, or the paladin. Now, it, it doesn't fit perfectly. No. Right. But I feel like from are a you, flavor perspective... Are you as Adam encouraging... Multiclassing? No, no, no. I'm not saying multiclassing. I'm saying if you were to redesign this. Oh class, yeah, okay. reskin it. Yeah, you could you could split them in half 
and take the Eastern and the like the martial arts side and then the almost magical side, mm-hmm. which to me says where you're getting this power from, this inner power that you have, could very likely be bestowed by a god if you wanted to reflavor that to be yeah, something enough. else, right? So um, the key is so poorly defined. So I would like to know what it means in Dungeons and Dragons. I know what it means, but yeah. what does it mean in D&D? Right, because I mean, not even gods are gods in D anD. d No, they're just super powerful entities. Yeah, that live in a floating mountain over there. Yeah. So they're they're Greek gods. They're not they're not Judeo Christian god. Right. Yeah. They're so, not. They're not. They don't carry the omni traits. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Right. So, so I don't know. That's that's where I land with monk. Somewhere in the middle, it depends what subclass you're playing. Yeah. I I really like the idea of them being a little bit more spiritual. I really like the way the long death because it's freaking weird and it's it's kind of neither uh-huh. but you've heard me talk about that all episode yeah for me i think um for monks thing the interesting part for me is remembering that yes they're more on the religious side and yes they're more on like that the way of the path kind of thing but i feel like a lot of their abilities actually just come from general education so like if you think about the way their stats are built, they're built to learn how to teach their bodies to be able to withstand taking a hit. And they spend years training and learning how to do this. Uh, do you, I feel like they should almost have intelligence instead of wisdom be their big That's stat, right? That's what I was right? about to go into, yes. Uh, but it it is make... training the way that a wizard is all about training. Uh, the way that an artificer is about training. Yeah, it's, but it, it... It's not like a cleric or a ranger or it, a druid. Except it is. When you get into the key ability, it's it's this, it's this the, the centering of key. self. It's that centering of self. It's more spiritualism which is why it's wisdom but this is how i imagine the monk versus your cleric or your paladin religious figure they're getting their abilities bestowed onto them and they're learning how to use them because they're taught how to do them because somebody else is doing them i find monks to be more this is a general what we do is a group of religious figures but you are going to learn how it works for you and you are going to and you're going to learn in your time as you grow and you adjust and you do what you need to do so for me even i almost wouldn't even choose a human to be a monk in my mind, it's almost impossible to learn how to be a monk in 50 years. Like, that to me is just how I read into monks. You just want to make Ninja Turtles. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm also just thinking, like that again, it's that longevity learning. You're not going to learn tomorrow how to one punch a hole in a wall, right? Like, it takes time. It takes effort. It t- and everyone's going to learn at a different period of time. Whereas I feel like clerics and paladins and all them have benchmarks that are followed because at this age you learn how to do this and at this age you learn how to do this. Monks are more, you'll figure it out in time. So I feel like if you're looking at the religious aspects of whether you're going to do the more Eastern or the more whatever you're going to do, it's almost need to look at what school you're going to be in, what your education looks like. Does it come from your family? Does it come from Mm -hmm. a monastery? You have to look at those things a little bit more and where that knowledge piece comes from and then decide what your personality is going to be and how you're going to respond to the Mm -hmm. things that you're learning. So, because, like, even when I would talk about, when we talk about the drunken master, in my mind, I'm thinking they don't necessarily have to be an alcoholic, <laughs> right? It's just a way of learning. Yeah. It's so, a style, right? It's a style. It's a, yeah. yeah. So, I think and, that's... And they, they could go into it under, with, like, the expectation that it's, uh, you're not enough. Like, you could go into it with the expectation that you are drinking this to get the powers straight up. You don't have to worry about, like actually being the guy wavering at a tavern or yeah, something. Yeah, exactly, like that. right. So I just think I, that's to me, that to me is like I feel I wish there was a way to make them more intelligence based because to me it's a knowledge and it's a learn, not necessarily a bestowed upon power. I'm gonna double down on that and I'm gonna say that I believe that druids and clerics should be as well because they're religion and nature based and religion and nature are intelligence stats. 
or intelligence skills. Then who is your what what purpose does wisdom serve? Because you have just removed wisdom from well, it, all of the classes that need it. Well, uh, and there is a difference between intelligence not, and wisdom. That's not true. There's still rangers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Stop it. 